caller. Hello. Hey. Hello? Oh my goodness. Hey. Is this is this John Reed on Race to the Bottom, one of the most successful talk shows on Radio Free Brooklyn? This is. Um, is this doc, Dr. Lisa? Do you have like a uh, an audience behind you cheering, or or is that wind on your? No, uh, I'm actually. I I was very depressed and anxious, so I went on my then my. My therapy walking to Manhattan from Bushwick. So I'm actually on the bridge right now. Yeah. It might not be the best. <laughs> it's a gorgeous day, and I can see the East River with my own eyes, John. It, I, you know, it sounds like you're on the bridge. Which, which bridge? The Williamsburg Bridge. Not a bad bridge. Okay, or am yeah. I fucking up your show? Um, no, it's it's fine. It's it's good. Sometimes I get a big breeze, but but uh, your voice okay, sounds great. Well, I mean, it, it, I'm I'm almost off the bridge, so we're it, by the time we're in a minute or two, I think it'll get better. But if not, you know, let me know. You sound so, no, you sound um, great. Yeah, dog walking. Yeah. People look down on dog walkers. Is that what you were saying? Well, I made a joke that uh, to my students. I, I told them if if you if you want to be an artist, um, if your hopes are to be an artist, you might have a career future career as a dog walker. And then I got uh-huh. and another teacher heard me say that and thought that I was perpetuating stereotypes. Of of what dog walker? Of I, I guess <laughs> I guess of both. I guess of like uh, you know, I was being demeaning to artists by saying that you know they're not going to be successful and just going to have to be dog walkers. The thing is, I mean, I guess at this point in my life, I have to say I'm an artist. Yeah. But the one thing I always tell young people is get a fucking job. If you can't support your artists, your children, and if you can't support your children, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you can't make art. Yeah. And I do think that there are too many kids, and I think the system idealizes that, you know, if you study art, or you really want to be a comedian or something like that. Like, if you have enough drive, you'll make it. And that's bullshit. You need to earn a living. <laughs> I, I, t- agree? I agree. You know, I worked at this place, Pizza Cabin, for, ten, for almost a decade, trying to uh, support my, my music career. Uh, so I, I, know about the, I know about the day job. Right. And did you, did, and now you have, but now you have like a career. We're earning money. Like yeah. a stable job. So how did, when did you like go like, okay, I get, I get it. I need a job. Um, it was when I got so bitter about the fact that I was not a successful, monetarily successful musician that I finally just said, you know what? It's it's spoiling my love for music to try to go on in this way, you know. Exactly my point. Exactly my point. We grown-ups need to tell these people, creative people with ambition that there's no rhyme or reason why you make a living at it. And if you're really committed to your art, you'll figure out a way to make a living first. Yeah. 
especially you females. Because the problem with women is, and I'm just going to say this, and mm-hmm. you'll probably get hate mail, or I'll get hate mail, is that women wind up um, feeling like they have an out, they can get married. And I know that sounds really old school, but it still happens. Hmm. And the most important thing as a woman is to be completely self-sufficient, especially for women, because that's the only way you're really going to be able to stand on your own two feet. Make sure you are f***ing supporting yourself and not waiting for some asshole to take you out for dinner. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. Top 10 in the house. How's it going, everybody? I hope you're doing well. I'm here at my parents' house, sipping a little bit of Winslow eggnog. Here we go. Mmm. Ah, so noggy. Please hashtag your noggy <laughs> experiences with, with hashtag how you nog and steep into the conversations, why don't you? I hope everybody is safe as I'm recording this. We're at the kind of an inflection point of this Omicron surge. Can't find my Omicron. What does that mean? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of Omicron. That's more like it. Took a second. So, what are we doing this week? This episode is coming out on Christmas Day, and like NBA on Christmas Day. But as I said last week, I know that no one's going to be listening to this on Christmas Day, unless you are, and you've you're sitting around with your family. And you're saying, shh, he's doing the monologue. We'll open our presents in an hour at 11. Or maybe you've already opened your presents. And you're putting together your Castle Grayskull or your model airplane. (laughs) And listening to this. And and I salute you. Or maybe you hate Christmas. and And you're tuned right in. And I, that's why I did the Christmas Spectacular last week. So, like I said, all you uh, new atheists, I know Sam, uh, Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and Bill Maher listened to the show. Mm. That's good eggnog. For you guys, I, we're doing the top ten. And we already heard the first entry as part of our mashup mashed up with Sir Duke we heard from Dr. Lisa who won our our annual achievement award Tom Demena won it last year this year it goes to Dr. Lisa and we heard her call from the uh, Williamsburg Bridge and we'll be hearing more from Dr. Lisa in the countdown and it's not really a countdown it's in no particular order. Actually, it's chronological order, except for that Dr. Lisa clip. Everything else is going to be chrono. 
And so let me try to talk you through this. I started the the year in 2021 with Race to the Bottom with lots of doubts. I um, felt like nobody was listening. I'd fallen off the uh, weekly charts, dipped down to, to, to the bottom. I was racing to the bottom of the charts. I said, you know what, maybe this is just, who am I doing this for? I had some soul-searching episodes there at the beginning of the year. And I was uh, texting with with friend of the show, listener Tim, who, as I've said, this was also a year of close runner-up for annual achievement award was listener Tim, and who uh, was one of my best friends growing up, and we've become closer. And he said um, that he he thought that some of those early like January soul searching shows were some of the best but that would be weird for me to put in the top 10 but if you want to go back and listen to that kind of had a mini uh breakdown <laughs> um and I just I tried I said I'm not going to promote the show I got really interested in in things that are um I think I had a show called Special Dark, where I, w- I wanted the show to just go dark, not promote it, and just see who came. If you build it, they will, they would have came. And during that time, I did a show called, uh, one of my favorites was uh, Everything in Its Right Place, where I, I talked about uh, how shows just kind of fit in, or, or what, it, that's not what I mean. I talked about it talks about like um, examples of like symphonies or baseball teams or organizations, Rube Goldbergs, where everything just plays its little part, like a little chug-a-lug. And I think that that show held together pretty well. But the, the show that really kind of changed the trajectory of the year was when I got pianist Sam Harris on the show. And um, he, I know Sam Harris because he's the he plays on a lot of Ambrose Akin Mercer's jazz recordings, and I was so excited to talk to him. And I we had a mutual friend, my friend Michael Davis, put us in touch, and I got I got to interview him. And it's um, I did a bunch of editing, all the music that we talked about, all the examples, I put a, um, I put clips and stuff and it was an interesting interview because Sam Harris does not like to talk about himself. Um, pianist Sam Harris, not the, again, not the, um, intellectual dark web Sam Harris. And so let's play our next clip. Um, this is me and Sam Harris talking, and I think this was like in February. Race to the bottom. Do you have, I guess to, to end, do you have like, uh, any kind of dream projects that are kind of in the back of your mind if quarantine and resources weren't an issue? Well, I definitely do have 
some dream projects, but I but they they don't really exist as anything concrete that I can necessarily articulate. I always kind of have like a vague idea in the back of my head that is more of just a a feeling rather than like a concept or like a group of musicians I want to get together. So I can say, yeah, I do, but I can't really describe them other yeah. than, uh, you know, just a continuation of what, what I've been doing and what I've been thinking about. Not like a combination of instruments or, or anything. It, it doesn't get that specific. No, I mean, sometimes like an idea like that might pop in my head, yeah. but I think for me all, I don't know. Maybe this is just me being in, you know, having been in quarantine for nearly a year. Like the yeah. idea of what musicians I want to play with has kind of taken a backseat to, to, you know, other conceptual ideas about the music. Yeah. Like the quality of it, not like the specifics. Yeah. More just like what, what feeling do I want to create? Um, so, yeah, but I, I think even before quarantine, I kind of work like that. Like, I, you know, I have people that I love playing with, but the idea for an album is more just coming from a feeling or like a yeah. big cloudy idea that's floating around in my head. And then gradually I'll kind of piece together like how I can make that happen. And that'll include like the other musicians that are involved or whatever kind of things that I'll actually have to pin down at some point. Yeah, but that all kind of comes later. So then I think that my interest in kind of, I was very interested in things that you couldn't find on the internet and just kind of nostalgic for life before the internet. And that led me to doing a two-part show called How the Internet Has Changed Us. And we got a lot of buddies on on there and, and I got Scott Bunn and man, another major runner up for the uh, annual achievement award, Scott Bunn, the man with the voice breakout star on the show. And um, that's something I'm proud of. T- tons of different interviews. Those, those two, um, those two shows, how the internet has changed us. I think hopefully we'll stand up as like a time capsule. And we did March sadness, our annual March sadness. I, I uh, was got interested and how comedy was changing and reacting. And I got Seth Simons on the show. show I'm Just Joking with Seth Simons was interesting. We did the Oscar Spectacular there at the beginning of the year with Eric and his wife, Corey. That was great. But then the, the next big thing was Mayoral May, where I took the all of, all of the month of May five weeks to try to break down the Democratic primary for the New York mayor's race. It was a crazy wide open field, it felt like. And uh, no one was really paying much attention to what was happening. And maybe they never did because we got some dude who (laughs) feels like nobody voted for as mayor now. But I, uh, that was cool because, and and this is part of the story of like, at the beginning of the year, I was super kind of almost solipsistic and then starting with Sam Harris and then how the internet has changed us, started reaching out. And then May or May, I really reached out and got to meet some people and have, um, 
had Rachel C. from Here and Now on Radio Free Brooklyn on the show and had Joanna Perpich from Crime Talk BK come on. And, and then I also had this dude, John Field, comedian John Field, who was another breakout star on the show. And this leads us to our next top 10 moment from the show Defect, Defective Moleskins. I was trying to talk about the mayoral race. And then this guy from back in the day when I used to do stand-up comedy called in and kind of reverse heckled me. Take a listen to this. We got a phone call, John. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, let's let's see who this is. Um, race to the bottom. Yeah, hi. I'd like to speak to the host of the show. Uh, yes. Hi, this is the host I of the show. I just want the host of the show to know that this show is Stinko Poo Poo. Wow. <laughs> um, and I... I'm the host. I'm interrupting the show. And I hope that I'm screwing up the host's rhythm with the show. Well, you know, it's... Because I, that's what the host did to me. What's that? During my show. I I don't understand what what this is. Uh, who? <laughs> that's what the host did to me during my show. Well, I'm the host. You can stop, like, talking about me in the third person. Who is this? My name is John... Henry, and I'm a comedian, and I was interrupted in one of my first nights out. I don't know if you've ever done stand-up comedy. Actually, I know you haven't, because it's not funny what you do. And during one of my first nights out, Uh you yelled, do you remember what you said? Uh, you're going to have to give me more. I'm not usually a heckler, so... Uh, <laughs> what? Where was, was this? Was that, who's that with you? Who's laughing? <laughs> well, we're all Johns, actually. Um, I'm John Reed, host of Race to the Bottom. We have comedian John Field here, and you're John Henry, so... Wow, the John Henry. Do you remember what you said? Cut through a mountain in half-hour time. <laughs> You get that, John Henry? Has anybody ever remarked on your name? Listen, I'm not here to be mocked. I'm here to to, to remind you what happened. What did I say? When I don't even know when this was or where this was. What did I say? You said. You said that. I think your moleskin's defective because the jokes that you're writing in it suck (laughs) okay um all right and everyone laughed and i was just getting going and so once you made everybody laugh now i'm the asshole now i can't go back to that club because i'm that guy that, that that some random dude just decided to shit on and it was like funny because well well, we try to keep it pg-13 here uh Mr. Hent, Patrick Henry. It's an awkward moment. So yay for you. Okay. Your ability to make people laugh because you had the wherewithal to, you know, put the spotlight on, on somebody trying to do stand-up comedy. Look, that's for, my point. That's first the of all, point I'm trying to make is that you're, you cheated and you're, and you're cheating now. Well, by doing, by doing comedy on radio, you don't know how to do it <laughs> on the stage. First of and, all, 
we can I give a little bit more context to what you're to the the incident that you're bringing up? Would you allow that? I don't yeah, want to heckle sure. you here. I'd love to. I'd love to hear how you spin this one. Well, first of all, I I didn't mean to. Uh, it wasn't like I was yelling that out to the stage. I said that to the people at my table that this guy needs to send his moleskin back to the factory because everything he writes in it sucks. I guess my voice carried. <laughs> I guess I guess my voice carried because it. I do remember people laughed, and I'm I'm sorry, but. You were up there. I guess you would, from what you're the comedy you were doing, you're kind of doing this Louie thing where you were like bad mouthing your kids. Uh, you're, you had a, a daughter that you, you know, you were saying really disrespectful things about your ex wife. You know, it was basically like a bad, uh, it wasn't, there wasn't even funny. It was dark and it was, uh, pretty misogynistic and, and, I was just kind of trying to take some tension out of the room. <laughs> wow. So then the the weather got warmer, started having more and more guests in the studio. We did a musical chess with uh, Jonathan Scales, which went super well. One of my favorite Things that I did all year that didn't make the top 10 was I had Eric back in the studio and we talked about baseball because baseball was a big part of Eric's life and of my life. And we had Howie call in and I almost put that in the top 10. But if you want to hear a bunch of nice guys talk about baseball, go back and listen to baseball. Have you heard of it? I read um, Hanif... Abdul Rakib's book about Tribe Called Quest and love it, loved it and did a whole show on that. Hanif Tribe and Life was a ton of work and I think that came off well. Talked about A Tribe Called Quest and that book in particular and, and all the samples that made it. And then I had Scott Bunn on for Absence Makes the Heart Grow Fonder talking about things where uh, something was left out on purpose or maybe on accident, and, and it made it better. An example of that was the bass line in uh, Prince's song, When the Doves Cry, was omitted, and he loved how it sounds. So um, that was fun, but then the but then finally my parents came to visit in, in New York after we all got vaxxed and stuff, and things were looking up, and I had in-studio... Dr. Dad and Dr. Lisa for a mental health hour. And we had great questions from listeners just like you. And here's a clip of one of the uh, more controversial questions that we got. Here's Dr. Dad and Dr. Lisa. This one's crazy. You guys ready for this? I think Mm so. Um, All right. So basically, this is from a parent who um who has a a kid in college and the kid during one of their breaks uh came came home from college and um i guess the parent knew that that the kid um smokes uh pot and and the the parent you know has dabbled with that stuff before and so the the parent decided all right fine let's uh let's let's smoke a joint together okay 
and and then uh, you know they they live in a place where this is is legal, uh, a state where this is legal. So there's not this is not a an illegal situation here, um, and the 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 child is over eighteen. But now this kid, this college kid, all they want to do is is smoke pot with with this parent. It keeps saying. When when are we gonna uh, when are we gonna toke it up again? Hmm. Well, you know that was so so much fun, and this person just doesn't know whether uh, that that would be okay to to keep continue. It, you know, it was a one time thing as far as they're concerned. This kid just wants to do a Cheech and Chong movie with, with, <laughs> with their with their uh, parent. What do we think about this? I think you think I, I, Go first. I really, okay. So I have a, a stepson who's, you know, I have a stepson. I like to smoke pot a lot. My stepson has found that out, but my stepson is a, you know, full blown adult now he's married and stuff, but I still feel when he was younger and I still feel this way that there's a boundary that I just don't, I don't want to be his friend, mm-hmm. but um, the thing so I think that was a big mistake personally. But besides that, I don't really have a clear idea. I want to hear what Dr. Dad, who's a real dad, talk about how you pull that back. I think or you you agree that was a boundary. Mm-hmm. What's your feeling? I want to know what Dr. Dad says. Yeah, well, my, my thought would be many thoughts, but one would be to say, listen, I, let, let's do more. Th- let's. Let's do other things to deepen to deepen deepen our relationship. Let's do this together. Let's do that. We don't want to just stuck in one, staying stuck mm-hmm. in one thing. That would be one kind of way to kind of try to balance it out. And it's also important to understand that people can get addicted to anything. You can mm-hmm. get addicted to gambling, to pornography. You can, and, and those addictions really can ruin your life. Yeah. And, and so if if they're college son or daughter's having uh, an addiction problem with it, well, that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, help them to understand and, and pull through that. I yeah. want to, oh, I have Go a question. Um, I wanted to know what you thought about the parents smoking pot with the kid. Like, what, what, do you, what, what do you, what's your thoughts on that? Well, this isn't a kid anymore. This is an adult. Well, okay, I mean, parent, is, well, okay, yes, right? I agree. Um, I mean, it, and it's a tough question because in, as you do it, you're going to be legitimizing what they're doing, and that's a, that's another whole question yeah. about whether mm-hmm. that's a wise thing to do uh, or not. So it's it, yeah, it, it, it's it's a difficult question, and there there are studies that seem to show that uh, marijuana can have a very negative on young people, especially mm-hmm. very negative effect. I have one patient who went off, very brainy guy, went off to college. Uh, started smoking and had a total psychotic breakdown mm-hmm. and it it appeared that he had gone into schizophrenia i'm not saying that it caused that but at least it he might have had it yeah. anyway but it brought it on mm-hmm. and uh well it's interesting because you know all these norms with with uh with pot have, have really changed really rapidly over mm-hmm. over the past decade or so or so you know and and as it's Becoming, uh, you know, I, I saw that uh, Chuck Schumer is going to put forth a bill to to decriminalize it uh, federally, and I think that that's great, and I think that we need to 
you know, I think we're kind of in the dark ages, and also especially with the dichotomy between you, you could totally have have a couple drinks with your mm. kid and be no problem. But you know, but with that said, man, some of this, a lot of it, this pot nowadays is so strong. Mm. It's not like uh, having a you know, people used to say, mm. oh, it's the same as, as drinking a, a beer. I, I'd rather smoke a joint. Some of this stuff, you know, because they try to pack such a big punch. You have uh, two hits of this stuff, and you're, it is like a psychedelic uh, experience. So hopefully, you know, if, if we can kind of, kind of normalize this stuff a little bit more, we can get some pot that's not, like, going to send you into uh, a, a, a psychotic break as, as this, this guy was. You know, you, know, you don't know what you're, you're smoking. If it, if it was, like, at a, a shop where it'd be like, okay, I have anxiety – predispositions to anxiety what's what's like the uh miller light version of the, mm. the right. pot that you guys have you know very interesting thank you uh thank you listener for that that one that is uh that's wild a great thing about expanding the race to the bottom community was that you know friends led to friends and scott bunn in addition to having a great voice and always being funny and having witty things to say. He's got great friends, too. And Scott introduced me to his buddy, Mike Vago, who does does the great show, Why Is This Not a Movie? I had Mike on the show, and we did a, a show called Diamonds in the Suck, which was a funny idea about little parts <laughs> of things that uh, bodies of work where most of it sucks are, are movies or songs where they're pretty much miserable except for one little shining moment. That was a fun show. And then as summer marched on, I was so happy to have my friend Salim Hugh Penny on the show, who's been a part of the program for the whole iteration of, of the New York version and the Asheville version. And one of our favorite records of all time is Jay Dilla's Donuts, and we'd been talking about doing a show, exploring that forever, and we finally did it. Here's a clip. Number five in no particular order on our countdown. This is me and Salim Hupani talking on Donuts, Jay Dilla's record. Yeah. 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 
thoughts? Woo! Oh, that did me good. Oh, man. I forget how, you know, that's just Jadakiss in the beginning, that sample. Yeah. It's like, and it's like, what? Who? But I just also love that because maybe there's some dude who's going to hear this and go backtrack and find out Jadakiss. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Jadakiss discography would necessarily be where I would spend the majority of my time, but it's just, <laughs> I, I just love that. I just like bringing back these uh, other voices, but and I, I just that was an example, I think, of one where he doesn't really mess much with the vocal. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I think where he's kind of content to let that line. So it's just such a complete line that Dion Warwick is, is, is doing. He just lets it lets that line be. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. that's difficult to know. When do I t- toy with this cut, paste, chop, screw? Or do I just let this line actually speak for itself? And I feel like that's what this one did. Yeah. As long as I was doing topical shows on things, I did a show on capitalism with Jay Clarkson. That was great. Kyle, my buddy, the chef, who's I highly recommend if you're in the New York area to check out Twin Oaks and get some food delivered. Um, just a world-class chef and, and guy. We did tips, tricks, and misconceptions of home cooking. That was a hell of a show. And if you're trying to be a better home cook i think kyle dropped some pearls of wisdom and he's just a funny dude check that out but the next on the real gem of a show and could be argued this was the best moment of the year just for pure laughs and uh just riffing and um getting weird was when I had John Field back on the show, comedian John Field. And this is the episode John, John, and John, (laughs) where John and I, um, amongst other things, talked uh, about John Mayer's new uh, record at the time, Sob Rock. And we did, kind of taking a page from my radio hero, Tom Sharpling, we did an unfair record review, kind of, dished on um sob rock and um check out this clip and and i recommend just listening to the whole episode tom uh demena calls in it's good stuff this whole album's a shot in the dark yeah. oh man i'm sorry i hope john mayer's not listening <laughs> this sounds like it would sound really good and you remember those 90s uh like minivans that look like uh like dustbusters yeah yeah um aerostar does like that type yeah yeah yeah. this would sound really good in like an aerostar van that still had that new car smell yeah this is a has a real new car smell uh sound yeah all right and everything i've heard at least so far that I can count three references to traveling mm-hmm. and and I feel like it just elicits that of just like I think it's like car music yeah yeah mm-hmm. I guess I just feel radio like, music. yeah I, I guess I just feel like is is this next song set song seven busted out the acoustic guitar for this one I'm guessing that's I guess where I just yeah. feel like I guess I just feel like Mm-hmm. Okay. Nobody's honest. 
Nobody's true Everyone's lying To make it on through I guess I just feel like I'm the same way too Oh wow Oh Physician heal thyself Yeah You know maybe he's projecting onto people (laughs) And why is everybody always lying all the time? <laughs> Who's lying? What lie? How do you look? How do you look, John Mayer, in the face and lie to it? <laughs> What'd you think of the song? Oh yeah, it was good. Yeah, great job, John. <laughs> got a phone call. Oh wow! Uh, race to the bottom. Oh hey, I'm just listening to this. This is Tom. I'm listening to the John Mayer thing and. Um, gosh, it's so gross. So gross. <laughs> um, I, I don't mean to, to kill the vibe, but I just, you know, I, I, I was watching, like, I was scrolling through Instagram and my feed, and there was this really weird John Mayer video that I thought was just hilariously awful. And I watched it. And now Instagram thinks I, like, really like John Mayer. And it just keeps me off. All these horrible <laughs> little private, authentic John Mayer moments that it thinks like I'm my psyche's craving. Yeah, the algorithm gotcha. Um, but his his music, I didn't realize how how awful it was, and you guys are doing a really good job. And um, do you those, s- those those last few lyrics were absolutely <laughs> just, tra- I just? I guess I just feel like mm-hmm. <laughs> garbage, absolute garbage. <laughs> Did you um, garbage? Do you know what I'm saying about how it's it's doing the thing where it's like it's so bad it's good, but then it's bad again, then. It, you, how he's playing with that mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. it's like when you uh repeat something so many times to- like a, a joke where it's like <laughs> you know it's like becomes funny again and then it's yep. like all right yeah. no, now seriously you gotta stop saying that <laughs> right well i do think that all songwriting is about like how do you say nothing and have it mean something mm. and you just that's a john mayer lyric <laughs> <laughs> Can I you... guess what I'm, I'm saying is, I guess what I'm saying is, <laughs> <laughs> and we were on a roll there in late summer, right after the, I think the next week I had my friend, my coworker, teacher, friend Colette come in to the studio and she's a historian, history teacher, and she likes to go down Google rabbit holes. And uh, she was great to have on the show, and we're going to have her come back on again in the new year. Listen to this. This is great. Uh, This is Colette narrating one of her uh, most intricate Google rabbit holes that she's gone down. What are some um, examples of of rabbit holes that that (laughs) you've gone on recently or or, uh, some all-time... All-time classics. Classics, yeah. the first one that popped into my mind when you asked me this question, mm-hmm. I actually wrote it down so I could remember all the different steps I took. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was during the pandemic when, like so many, I was spending a weekend in my pajama pants, just like not moving and very isolated. 
And I started binge watching Kim's Convenience, which is a Canadian show about this Korean Canadian family. And there's a scene between it actually has Simo Liu, who's in the new Marvel movie that's coming out. Okay. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten oh, yeah. that I'm going to go see later. But anyway, it, there's a scene between Paul Sung-kyung Lee and Andrea Bang, and he's playing her father. Mm-hmm. And he's showing her this kung fu film where people are fighting on the ceiling. And... He makes a joke and says, oh, we should say that they're dancing Lionel Richie style because it looks like they're dancing. And she doesn't get the joke at all. And he says, oh, it's funny if you're old. So I immediately paused the show because I didn't get the Lionel Richie reference and looked it up. And it turns out that Lionel Richie had a 1986 album called Dancing on the Ceiling. It was the lead track and the music video um, he dances with friends around. It's basically, it looks like they're dancing on the walls and then on the ceiling of the room and then back around. And um, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a bizarre, I mean, it's a crazy music video. There's like Raji, Rodney Dangerfield pops in, like Cheech Martin pops in. They've I'm, got these crazy cameos. I am very familiar with, with this song and uh video i did a actually when i turned 40 mm-hmm. um which is two years ago now i did a monologue about turning 40 and wove this song and video in throughout the monologue because i remember when my dad turned 40 they had a big party at my house and this song was playing and as usual i was the only kid around and i tried to dance on the ceiling like in the video um <laughs> So, yeah. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. so you're very familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, so I looked up this video, and while I'm watching it, um, all I can really think of when I'm watching it is I'm, I was really, really into older films when I was a kid. And by older films, I mean films from like the 30s and 40s. And I just kept imagining this scene with Fred Astaire where he's similarly dancing on the walls and the ceiling of this room. And I realized I'd never actually seen the film. I think I'd seen the clip in like compilations like That's Entertainment or whatever, where it's just it's shown as one of those sort of great Fred Astaire dancing clips. And so I looked it up and it turns out that it was in this 1951 film called Royal Wedding. And the film was actually directed by the same person who directed Lionel Richie's music video. Yeah. So there you go. Um, this guy named Stanley Dunnan, who was a director and choreographer, who's actually, who was the co-director of Singing in the Rain, discovering all this on my rabbit hole adventure, um, which he co-directed and choreographed with Gene Kelly. So Lionel Richie must have been like, we got to get Daniel Dunnan for this. Yeah. If yeah. we're going to do it, we have yeah. to do it right. Yeah. And um, I ended up looking up the film technique. They mm-hmm. fasten the camera to one a stationary place so that it looks like... They're actually going on the walls and the ceiling. All the furniture is nailed down, but they're actually in a rotating box. So it's pretty complicated. Wow. Um, But they did it very well. Uh, So that was, I'm going down that thing and I realized I'd never seen Royal Wedding. So found it Mm -hmm. on Tubi where I could watch it for free. It's a musical comedy. It was actually the first film that Dunnan directed on his own. And it's got Fred Astaire and Jane Powell. And then Fred Astaire's love interest is... This woman who I had never, I hadn't seen this actress before. Mm -hmm. So I looked her up and her name was Sarah Churchill. 
And it turns out, as I'm looking her up, she was the daughter of Winston Churchill. Oh, wow. <laughs> who was the prime minister of the UK from 1940 to 45, so during World War II, and then again from 51 to 55. This was made in 51, so he was, her dad was prime minister while she was Nepotism, making man. the film. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say no if the prime minister's daughter <laughs> wants to be in your movie. But no, she was a she was a dancer and an actress. She made lithographs as well. She had like a whole different career. And then in looking her up, I found out that she was actually named for Sarah Churchill, the Duchess of Marlborough, who was um, who lived in the late 17th, early 18th century and who was an ancestor of Winston Churchill and a favorite, um, one of the, she became one of the most powerful women in the country at her time, and she was a favorite of uh, the English Queen Anne. Mm-hmm. And I sort of something clicked, and I remembered I had seen when it came out. So I guess it was like 2018. There was the film The Favorite, yes, that was made by the Greek director um, Yorgos Lanthimos, and it's with Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. And turns out that Olivia Coleman is playing that very Queen Anne and Rachel Weiss is playing Sarah Churchill. Oh. And so that took me down. Yeah. And I and Abigail Masham, who's played by Emma Stone, is actually she was a cousin of the Duchess Sarah Churchill. So I sort of I ended my journey there, but it was kind of fun to go from this Korean Canadian TV show all the way down to this mm-hmm. 17th, 18th century English duchess. And then back to the favorite. And then back to the, yeah, and then yeah. back to the favorite. <laughs> That's great. After that, we had a bunch of run of good shows. We had a show, a meta show on topics with Scott Bunn and his friend, our friend, Mike Vago. That was fun. We had Chris Mata help us figure out what the top 10 fruits are. A very controversial episode from... The episode that you heard at the top of the show where Dr. Lisa called in from the bridge, call-in culture. We also had John Scales on that show talking about touring in the age of COVID. And then another friend of Scott Bunn, Matt Bogachnik, came on the show and we talked about Mexico because like me, Matt lived in Mexico in his 20s and we had a good time talking about that. Another work friend, another teacher friend of mine came on. Dave, and we talked about a show called Costume Culture, about kind of the infantilization of, of our modern culture and how we love all the all things childish for good and, and bad uh, results. And it was awesome having Dave on, and, and tons of people tuned in to that show and have Dave back on in the new year. We had Dr. Lisa back on, and we did a comedy workshop workshopping because she's getting back into stand-up or starting stand-up and i i had some old jokes laying around we tried to punch up each other's jokes that was fun but the next one that that i felt really rose above the pack was when we had scott bond back on the show and we talked about our complicated relationship with the band called the doors with uh led by a guy named jim morrison and this episode was called slamming the doors and we did quite a bit of slamming the doors. Here's here's a clip of that. But it's also a biopic, you know, which, you know, it's like one of the worst biopics I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, 
there are, the worst things about biopics, I've said this before, but it's like, sometimes they have to choose like one line as a stand in for like paragraphs of, you know, explanation and context. And so like, there's a scene in the doors where like somebody's walking through a room, the camera moves through a room and you just hear the guy playing John Densmore say, I think we still have two or three more blues albums. Than us. <laughs> and you're like, nobody talks like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But like, it, it's just like a stand in for a whole line of thinking that would be in a liner note or somebody's yeah. essay about the doors. It's, it's dialogue. It's dialogue as exposition, right? Yes. Um, where you, yeah, you need to push the story forward. Um, and you, so you have somebody saying, uh, like, Jim, I'm, I'm really concerned about your current behavior. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How far hey, are you going to push it before you, uh, you end up dying and leaving us, uh, the, the other three members of the band to negotiate your legacy for the next, uh, four decades? Or there are young men dying in jungles right across that ocean, man. I think the very next week, we went on these runs this year of of really great shows. And right after that, I think the week after that, we had our Thanksgiving prepisode. We had Chris Mata and Kyle, my chef friends, who we'll just continue having on the show because they're great and funny and also know a ton about cooking. Good people. Here's a tip trick and clip from the thanksgiving episode if you want to fortify a stock you'd you'd do that process several times oh okay and reduce and then add and reduce and add this way you have you know a little bit of gusto in your stock your labor and flavors bro did i oh yeah did i I get that right kyle (laughs) yeah yeah no absolutely Build in yeah. flavors, bro. Build in B- flavors. Bold flavors. Sorry. Bold yeah. flavers. That's, that's how we cook. Um, bold flavors. So I took this bird and got rid of all its bones. And then I, I made a one of my favorite things that I do this time of the year is I make a, a focaccia uh, sausage, fennel, apple, and pear stuffing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I remember mm. this from and last year. I, I hope I'm not just, you know, sounding like a record on repeat. No, but I mean... I, it's uh, it's really to me it's the most special thing, and I think that or I know that every time I've made it, it seems to be. And, and you only get it once a year, too, right? So yeah. it's something to look forward to. Exactly. Say say the uh, the it again, but focaccia. It's a focaccia sausage, sausage apple, apple, fennel, fennel, pear stuffing. That's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's got all of those dynamic flavors where the the fruit really brings a, a sweetness there but then you have like the super savory of the, of the the sausage and you can do ground turkey ground mm-hmm. chicken ground pork whatever whatever floats your boat you know and and your your preference your gravy boat your gravy <laughs> <laughs> beautiful oh i'm so, so like i said we're gonna do the, the classic this year right I, I don't know we might even do like like stovetop stuffing like mm. uh just we're going as classic like as right as, but i am gonna make a uh the race to the bottom pledge to you chris whoa <laughs> <laughs> you feel honored that next year 
I'm going to remember to do that. Your your focaccia, sausage, apple, fennel, pear stuffing. Yes. This, this is unprecedented. Yeah. <laughs> and the key is not only to name as many different ingredients as humanly possible to awe and wow whoever you're telling about it. Um, it's also important to make your own focaccia bread for it. That's mm-hmm. a key. That's a key component. And it's forgot actually about it. <laughs> it forgot you about it. Forgot you about it. I layer in there and I poke it with the back of my spoon. I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, because of the episode that I did with Matt Bogachnik on Mexico, I decided to reach out to my anthropology professor Ben Feinberg to talk about uh, to talk more about Mexico and to talk about. His relationship with the country, he's done a lot of living there and and uh, kind of ethnographical, ethnographical. He's done ethnographies there, and I wanted to check in with him. It had been a while. That's a that's a good episode. Ben is so smart, but the best part maybe was was when I I got called out. We started the chat recently. And this guy in the chat touched down, called me out on on lying to Ben, just trying to go along to get along. And and I try to keep things above board, so I kind of uh, came clean to Ben about uh, something that I'd kind of fibbed about in, in real time. And it got kind of awkward, but kind of awkward moments are, are what makes the show great, uh, in, in my opinion, a lot of the time. So... Here is me and Ben Feinberg from the episode Benign Conquistadors and me coming clean. But there was a book called The People's Guide to Mexico. Did you ever? Mm, I use yeah, that I, I I vaguely remember that. Yeah. And so this was like guidebook that came out with many editions starting in the 70s that really it had no places in it. You know, unlike travel guidebooks like Lonely Planet mm-hmm. that are like guides to places where you will find other people with the same guidebook. <laughs> this was a guidebook that was just, you know, here's places you, you can camp in a dump because they don't throw out as much organic material so it doesn't smell. And it really encouraged you to, you know, create your own adventures in mm-hmm. various ways. And it 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 opened up this whole world and and traveling then after I graduated from college particularly this in this very low budget way where I'd look at a map and I'd I'd find some place on the end of the road and take a bus there and then you know something would happen. Someone would invite me to their house. You'd figure out how to hike to the next road to the next village that wasn't on the road. And and so you know that 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 freedom really excited me and of course at this point you know I'd been a history major I'd taken a lot of Latin American history but sitting in people's living rooms when they're inviting you in uh, I, I, living room is a weird room for a you know <laughs> one room house or whatever um, realized that there was this whole world uh, that what back past the paved roads that wasn't really covered in the dominant versions of history that I might have learned. Mm-hmm. And of course that there was this incredible sophistication 
and complexity and interest in, in, in the lives of these places. And, I, and that's when I realized I, I could go back to grad school and get a grant someday in history to go to an archive, or I could go back to grad school in this new field, for me, of anthropology and get a grant someday to sort of, you know, hike and explore and, and sit in people's um, houses and drink coffee mm-hmm. and aguardiente, and, and, and that was just what appealed to me. So two things. One, th- I, you might have heard that we just launched the chat um, today, Ben, and somebody's, oh, wow. somebody's <laughs> coming after me in the chat saying, I don't believe John was familiar with the guidebook to Mexico. He lied on air. Um, I'm coming after oh. him. I I'm gonna just come clean. I I was not he this this uh, person in the chat uh, touchdown. I, I'm not sure who that is. Um, touchdown. You're you're right, and I'm gonna come clean to you, Ben. And this is so I guess a um, you know an unforeseen uh, you know benefit of the chat is is full transparency. And I want to apologize oh. to you, Ben. I was not familiar with the uh, guidebook to People's Guidebook to Mexico. Is that what it's called? The People's Guide to Mexico. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry about that. It's it's really it's really all right. I mean, I, I I don't know what to say. I think it's probably okay that you didn't know about that guidebook. Although, yeah. you know, you might have gotten some benefit from it. Yeah. Well, I could have just. I don't think it's the the problem is that I didn't know about it. It's that I when you said were you familiar with that, I just should have said no. This thing just keeps going, and I I thank you, the listener, for that. And if you want to show your support for what I do or for what the station does, you can go to Radio Free Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Broccoli, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and go to the green donate button and drop us some dollars. That would be amazing. You can sign up for the newsletter there. If you're listening to this on your computer, I suggest downloading the app for free on your iPad or your iPhone or your um, iPod or your uh, Samsung Galaxy, right? And I will talk to you all next week. Stay tuned for Crime Talk BK. You've been listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. Uh, let's let's uh, let's have a good 2022, right? Hopefully, peace.